0: Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Doug and I talk about James Borrego as a head coach. Where does he rank among other head coaches in the NBA? Doug has another mock draft for us at the end of all of it, and this.
1: Boylan is 39th out of 30 NBA coaches. I'm sorry. Like, Boylan is off the map in terms of a terrible coach, and the fact that he had him 28 is just absurd to me.
0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. Doug is locked and loaded and ready to do the podcast. He has his Hornets scarf on that I just realized that he has actually two scarves, Charlotte Hornets scarves, and they're dope scarves. He's got one from Jordan Brand and you have one from Mitchell and Ness. I didn't realize you were a part of the scarf game, Doug.
1: I always get compliments on this scarf. It is a a honeycomb pattern. This is the Jordan brand scarf that I'm wearing right now. And even in Nashville, when I wear this scarf out, people are like, oh man, that's a dope scarf. And they don't know that it, because the Hornets logo is on the bottom and usually it's obscured. So they don't even know that it's Hornets, but that, that speaks to the power of the brand. I mean, I can't believe this team was the Charlotte Bobcats at one point. It just speaks to the power of the colors. And the honeycomb, like it all just works for reasons that are just unknown. I mean, it's just, it's ephemeral, this, this, this uh, brand and why it resonates with people. Uh, but yeah, I love this scarf. And I
0: was interested in it because you were wearing it inside. It just seemed weird to have a scarf on inside, but you still, you're rocking it and you look great and you're pod Jesus with a scarf on. You look amazing, Doug. I just thought I would start off the podcast by complimenting
1: Wow. You. I don't, I don't know what I've done to deserve this, but I appreciate the love. We'll have plenty of
0: time for you to undeserve it. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. So there was... A, uh, a reversal when you look at the NBA two minute report. Often, what happens is when you look at maybe some controversial calls at the end of games, uh, especially like the one that happened with the Charlotte Hornets and Atlanta Hawks game that just took place uh, this weekend, you look at, or I should say, Monday night. So, the big one was Terry Rozier at the end of the first overtime. We didn't know if that might be overturned once again in the two minute report. They we should be clear this way. is
1: not a, this means nothing. By the way, this it is not, does, a, this is not right. a reversal. It's more like an oopsie. Yeah, it's like my bad. It's like right, we but nothing gets up. reversed. The up. the the loss still stands. That's why I don't like these two minute reports. Like, who cares? Okay, does anyone feel better that the Hornets uh, got jobbed at the end because Cody Martin uh, did not foul the shooter that ended up being the three free throws that decided the game? Like, nobody. Who cares?
0: Yeah. So the two minute report says that Terry Rozier did indeed commit an offensive foul when he hooked Trevi. Well, if you have eyeballs, you
1: knew that. You didn't need a two-minute report
0: true. to <laughs> figure that out. Okay. The two-minute report also said at the end of the game, <laughs> the officials, thank you, Doug. You have, take, you have completely taken the steam out of all of this by giving your take before I even demonstrated what the two-minute report said, that the two-minute report is stupid. We shouldn't do anything about it. And I guess we move on now. It was Caleb Martin that committed the foul, just FYI. Caleb Martin committed Caleb the foul. Hunter, you get it. You're right about that, and you have this mnemonic device, and apparently it doesn't work.
1: Identical fraternal. <laughs>
0: so we'll see if they can bounce back from that two-minute report that apparently has everybody caring a whole lot about it, just like you do, Doug.
1: Which, by They've the way, the by, by the way, by the way, thank you, thank you for missing that call. I mean, ultimately, I, I mean, I get why Borrego is upset. I get why he's frustrated. I get why the players are frustrated. They are competitive, but let's just talk about the long-term effects. This this could be the the decider between a seventh pick or a sixth pick. So thank you, refs.
0: You're welcome. What are you watching for tonight, Doug? They play the Miami Heat tonight. Miami, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think they've been slipping a little bit here recently, but what are you watching for from the Charlotte Hornets as they play the Miami Heat?
1: Yeah, the Miami Heat have had a couple of bad losses to bad teams, uh, but I, I feel like they've recovered of late. They beat up on the Washington Wizards. And Bam Adebayo, after struggling for a couple of games, came on really strong. 27-14 and 14 against Washington in that last game. They're coming in rested. And this is another 40-plus win team that the Hornets have to play. This is crazy, the stretch that they're on, on right now of playing these really good teams, both Eastern Conference and Western Conference. So I'm watching for the Hornets. Can they sustain this level of intense play that they've been on against good teams Can that hold? And I'll also be watching how Borrego and company. Game plan against Bam Adebayo, who is suddenly turned – he's an all-star. And also you have uh, Jimmy Butler saying he's a future max contract player. And it's true. I mean, he can do it all right now. He's scoring. He's rebounding. He's making plays for others. I think he had six assists against Washington or five or four, something like that. Anyway, he's moving the basketball, and he's just a threat everywhere. He can can do it off the bounce. Uh, He can do it off the pick and roll. I mean, they run so much – I mean, they just – They just hammer you with with Bam Adebayo pick and rolls, so it'll be interesting to see how they scheme against that.
0: Yeah, I'm interested. Besides just watching the young guys, usually it's the Hornets are snake bitten when somebody gets national recognition, and I don't even know if Terry Rozier has been getting national recognition. But the Hornets are snake bitten when somebody goes for a crazy performance. You can expect a downfall from them afterwards. So Terry Rozier confirmed it here. You're going to see him go three for fourteen with about nine points. A walk Yeah, that's a walk I declared it right here. Just, you know, you're probably right, Doug, that there's no reason to worry about P.J. Washington. And I can't say that I'm worried. I just want to see if there was something there. I mean, only 16 minutes from him against the Atlanta Hawks. I just want to see if P.J. Washington goes back up to the 25 minutes. Like, there's no way you're not playing P.J. Washington. I just want to see how many minutes he gets in this game. And then the other thing, Doug, Miles Bridges needs to break out of the shooting slump. You know, that's the thing that I want to see. He's in a mini slump right now. I would like to see Miles Bridges kind of bounce back with some type of decent offense to you know good offensive performance in this one against the Miami Heat, even though they're one of the better defensive teams in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I mean, he'll have his hands full tonight against Miami. So I uh, want to see what he can do. Can he can he get out of the shooting slump? Can he uh, be a factor on the defensive end? Because it's not just going to be. Cody Zeller and Bismack Biyombo, or Pos- I don't, I mean I don't see him playing Billy Hernan Gomez in this one. But if he does, then Billy Hernan Gomez, it won't just be the center rotation that has to deal with Bam Adebayo because of how much they use him in the pick and roll. A lot of it falls on weak side help defenders, and that's going to be Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. So how well do they adjust? Are they able to stay focused and be a factor on the defensive end? Because, look, the Martin Twins and, and McDaniels right now, they're, they're forcing turnovers. Rose Rozier, too, forcing turnovers. I, I want to see that from Miles Bridges as well.
0: Yeah, and if he doesn't, Doug, if he has another poor performance, is there anything that you might read to Miles Bridges' performance if he does not put up another good one?
1: I mean, listen, I famously don't love to read things because uh-huh. it takes too sure. much work, and I famously don't like to work a lot, but listen, I'm tired of being ridiculed on this show for being a clown, okay, by you, <laughs> by Rick Bennell comes on here and clowns me now. Yep. I mean, come on, Benell, burning me right now? I'm tired of it. So here's what I did. I just downloaded this new app on my phone. It's called Blinkist, and it's helping me to learn more faster so that I can come on this show and be wiser. Blinkist is really cool. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Basically, Blinkist takes the best key takeaways that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders, like people who come on this podcast and sound smart, they are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so that you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. So I just downloaded The Sports Gene, Inside the Science of Extraordinary Athletic Performance by David Epstein. This is a book that I've been wanting to finish for a long time, but just didn't have time to finish it. So now I'm finishing it with Blinkist. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com nba and try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also have 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA.
0: Hollinger and Duncan of the Locked On Podcast Network ranked all the NBA coaches and uh, by a criteria of talent versus results, amongst other factors. We talk about that next in the next segment of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked On Hornets decoys all over the place they've got everybody down at the rim ball goes into biz they do like an xfl style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage except it's with Devonte graham he picks up a foul i don't care what you say nate mcmillan more like nate mcvillan get out of here quit whining about the officials you got plenty of calls the hornets got a call at the end of the game i thought it was fair hornets win it's time for
0: more of the locked on hornets podcast Doug, I think we've talked about James Borrego for the most part this season in a pretty positive light. I think we've talked about some of the things that he's done well. And when you look at the Charlotte Hornets this season, the Charlotte Hornets absolutely have exceeded expectations. There was a discussion at the beginning of this year if the Hornets would even win 20 games. I always thought that was a little far-fetched, but that was a real discussion being had that the Charlotte Hornets were in a very real spot. And this one probably a little bit more realistic we were having a legitimate discussion if the Hornets would be the last team in the NBA. It would be among the New York Knicks and maybe some other teams that were in the mix, but the the Hornets were absolutely there. That was the kind of discussion we were having around them. And here they are over 20 wins. This is going to be a team (laughs) that finishes that, that has a legitimate shot to finish in the same spot in the Eastern conference as what they did last year with Kimball Walker on the squad. It's a weaker Eastern conference. Granted, but I don't think anybody would have put money down that the Hornets would finish in the same spot or just a spot away from where they finished last year with Kimball Walker on the team. How much do we give credit to Mitch Kupchak? Maybe some of the players for working hard their own right. And how much do we give the James Borrego? Well, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So Hollinger and Duncan, they ranked all the NBA coaches and they did it by a certain criteria. They did it talent versus results. Do lineups, player usage make sense? Offensive, defensive system. Does the team play hard? Locker room harmony, player development, harmony with front office, late game coaching, and playoff adjustments. And so Hollinger has Borrego in his second to last tier, which is an unproven tier, and that's in the 20s with Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. Nate Duncan has Borrego 25 in a tier called, quote, vets who won't get you killed, end quote. And he also has a quote in here by himself on this podcast, ranking all the coaches. Nate Duncan says, can you point to anything that James Borrego has been good for? So Doug, when I see that, and especially with some of the factors and some of the bullet points and the criteria that they measure, I certainly think you can go to locker room harmony. I don't, I think MKG would be the one guy that you maybe could come at me with, but MKG was someone that certainly didn't take a flamethrower to the situation that he was in. They requested a buyout, they granted him, and they allow him to go play with Dallas Mavericks and get off of the team. Same thing with Marvin Williams, who we know. Marvin Williams was as harmonious in that locker room as anybody. So I, I think that's something you can point to. Does the team play hard? I think unquestionably, yes. I think there is absolutely no doubt that the team plays hard. You just mentioned on the wake up call yesterday, Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller, they both play hard, despite their minutes getting taken away from them, along with the young players who you could argue they're just trying to make they're just trying to make it in the league, but the veterans are playing hard as well. Player development, <laughs> I, I wonder if you look at player development strictly because these guys are talented and it was going to come to them anyway. But Borrego has to have a hand in this player development. He also is a big advocate for the G League, and they have implemented that in a big way that I think has proven to be unquestionably advantageous. Harmony with the front office, it seems like they're on the same page. I mean, Doug, honestly, you know, playoff adjustments, we're not going to have any sample size of that. The late game coaching, we can certainly go to some situations with the late game coaching and, and question what Borrego has done. The talent versus the results, we just talked about how they're going to be, uh, they're going to exceed expectations. I, I think, Doug, according to a lot of these bullet points, man, Nate Duncan saying, can you point to anything good that he's done? I would point to quite a bit of good that he's done this season.
1: Yeah, and I think you know so much of what we judge coaches on is really just wins and losses, and the fact that Borrego doesn't have enough talent to get those wins and losses may eventually be his undoing in the same way that it was Steve Clifford's undoing, but it doesn't, you know, if, if you're just talking about how do front offices and maybe people within the NBA view coaching, I think they view it very different differently. There was a specific reason why they chose James Borrego. They really believed, and they were vocal about this, that Borrego could take this, take this team into this new era of player development. And I think he's certainly done that. He put together a staff, that has resulted in in really high development for the Martin twins, for Devonte Graham, for P.J. Washington, for Miles Bridges. Even though he struggled somewhat, he has uh, he put together a really good stretch. He got better this season. So th- there are all kinds of instances that you can point to in terms of player development. The team is playing harder at the end of the season. Locker room harmony, yeah. M.K.G. You could point to one instance where Terry Rozier was a little bit upset with the game plan early in the season, but just in general, you don't hear players mentioning Borrego even in a passive-aggressive way as being a result of what's been going on. It's clear that this team doesn't have enough talent to, to win a, a stretch of games. In terms of X's and O's, I mean, he's put together a couple of plays that have won this team ball games, And I think the team trusts him. They run the plays that he wants them to run. They execute the, the, the way they want him, the way that, that he wants them to execute. And, and I would say that he's really modernized this Hornets offense. I mean, this is an offense that shoots a lot of threes and gets inside. They don't get fouled as much, but they do take it to the paint a lot. So I I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think by the criteria, I certainly wouldn't put Borrego as like an above average coach because the results aren't there. You got to have the results. But I I think he has the potential to get those results. I'm more in the Hollinger camp of he's unproven because he doesn't have the talent right now. Yeah. And then, and and Doug,
0: I I think, you know, you had a chance to listen to this podcast and you also put here that Duncan and Hollinger agree that Borrego won't have enough talent to win enough games to change his fate. One, I ask you if they mean the fate of where he ranks in their tier or if he's just going to keep his job. But really, the other question that I have, the more important one is if they don't think that he has enough talent to win enough games to change his fate, then doesn't that demonstrate uh, (laughs) the roster not being good enough? for what they want to see from James Borrego. To me, that just kind of negates every piece of analysis that they have on Borrego.
1: Well, I don't think that they took into account the fact that the Hornets really have overachieved in a lot of ways. Have they vastly overachieved? No. And that's probably to the franchise's benefit. I mean, if this team was suddenly competing with Clifford and the Magic for that final playoff spot... Uh, then you'd say, "Wait a minute! I think something uh, went kind of drastically wrong in their rebuild. <laughs> like they they were just a little too good this season, so they would be killing them for that, right?" Um, so I mean, I, I think that it's a it's a tough balance. But but I think when you and that, and that's why you listen to podcasts like this you, because we pay attention to everything that goes on with the Charlotte Hornets. They talked a lot on that podcast about Lloyd Pierce and the Hawks, and it speaks to. When you have a superstar on your roster like Trey Young, you get a lot of attention from national media and they pay attention to what happens. Uh, But I think Borrego's done a good job. Now, I will say, Walker, I'm still unsure that Borrego is the coach that eventually takes them to the highest of highs if this franchise ever gets there. Like, I'm not sure that he's a Brett Brown he may be like a Kenny Atkinson where you go, okay, we're ready to shift gears into a higher level. We got to find a guy who can do that for us that's kind of where I'm at with James Borrego right now. I'm not sure that he's the X's and O's guy that could take them into like multiple playoff series victories.
0: Well, Brett Brown's notorious, maybe notorious isn't the right word, but maybe it is depending on how you look at it. I mean, Brett Brown is a guy that's kind of crazy with his rotate with his rotations, kind of like Borrego was as far as, you know, throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticked and, and, and what, James Brego's done in the first two years of his career or up until this point with the Hornets is, I mean, he's had a quick trigger, right? I mean, he's pulled these guys if they have been performing well. And we've talked about, you know, him switching up the rotations all the time. You know, Brett Brown has been somebody like that, but also kind of counterintuitive to your point, or I should say, you know, what a counter argument should be. I, that's what the counter argument should be with Brett is that there's a lot of people that don't think Brett is the guy to do that as well. You know, like with oh, the new I wasn't
1: comparing them oh. to – I was only saying that that's the situation where you go through a rebuild with a coach, yeah, and then you okay. stick with that coach once you are a, an Eastern Conference contender. Uh, there, there, there seems to be two paths that are building for coaches: like you either get you either keep your job and you get to see it all the way through, or a front office decides, hey. You know, it's, it's sort of the godfather thing where, like, Tom Hagen was not a wartime consigliere, right? Like, they were like, all right, Tom, we're in war now. You were great when it was peacetime, but now we got to get somebody who knows how to fight a war. And so could I see the front office at some point saying, hey, we got a couple of stars on this team now. We're ready to play. We're ready to win playoff series. Not sure Barrego's the guy. I, I mean, they underachieved last season, I think, when you had a star on the team. And um, I thought there were some decisions rotation-wise early this season when they were, when they were playing veterans a lot and when they were, were legitimately trying to win basketball games. There were some decisions that I thought, man, I, like, why did he put P.J. in the end of the game right there? It feels like that, that cost him the game. Like, there were just some things that make me question whether long-term, I think he's doing a great job with what he has, but long-term, is Borrego the guy? I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, X's and O's wise, game plan wise, I think that's a fair question. I think that's a more than fair question. The thing that he has going with him, you bring up Kenny Atkinson. I, I don't want to focus, I guess, too much on the comparisons, but they just, they're good points in the fact that, okay, Kenny, well, thank you, Kenny Atkinson and the Nets apparently mutually agreed to part ways and Kenny Atkinson was kind of viewed as this micromanager. Well, that's not going to work with Kyrie Irving. DeAndre Jordan and Kevin Durant. It's a star-driven team now. It used to be a rebuild where those guys kind of needed to be micromanaged in order to get the most out of them. And Kenny Atkinson did that. But with those stars on the team, that's when it doesn't work. I don't think anybody is going to mistake James Borrego for being a micromanager. I love his demeanor. And we've talked about how transparent he's been with the veterans. It's the morale, the mood that he possesses to work with the stars. That can easily transition to this kind of you know, hypothetical situation where the Hornets are ready to take a big next step, the the mood that Borrego possesses that would allow him to transition as that coach. But you are right that the question that we have now for Borrego is the in-game adjustments, the X's and O's factor. That's the biggest thing I think we question Borrego.
1: Well, and you're totally right. He's he's. You'll never mistake him for a micromanager in in the way that Steve Clifford or Kenny Atkinson, uh, Kenny Atkinson is at present, and, and Steve Clifford really is as well. And and you know we talked about Borrego's hire being a counter. Move to the Steve Clifford era. And I think in a lot of ways that that's correct in, in the way they handle players. Uh, I think maybe a more apt comparison would be David Blatt when he was coaching Cleveland. And it was pretty clear. I was listening to Rejecting the Screen here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've now pubbed both of the national shows. And they were talking to Brendan Haywood. And Haywood was like, man, from the jump, it was clear that Blatt didn't know how to coach a bunch of superstars that were finals contenders. And I just wonder, and I'm not saying that I'm sure that Borrego's like that. I'm just saying I have questions. I think that's why I put him in the unproven. Um, I think it'll be really interesting if this team competes for the playoffs a year from now or two years from now, what that looks like under James Borrego. I'll also say this. I think Nate Duncan was unfair on that podcast. He's a friend of the show, but he was unfair, totally unfair on the podcast. And also he had Boylan at 28. Boylan is 39 out of 30 NBA coaches. I'm sorry. Like Boylan is off the map in terms of a terrible coach. And the fact that he had him 28 is just absurd to me.
0: Hollinger and Duncan, you mentioned on the Locked On Podcast Network. Friends of the show. Rejecting the screen. Yes, all friends of the show. You also mentioned rejecting the screen. You listen to that, Doug. We love the clients that do business with us because they support us and we appreciate that. What can they do, Doug, if people are... And they want to support us as well by becoming business partners.
1: If you've been a listener of this podcast, you've heard all of the great advertisers that work with Locked On, but you may not know that Locked On Hornets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hornets fans like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, and you get to hear us read your ad, which is kind of cool. A Locked On Podcast listener is unique. If your company wants to connect with Hornets fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated, has disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses and local podcasts. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and we look forward to hearing from you.
0: We have another mock draft in the final segment of today's Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked On Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh man, dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling... Goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: If you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you know that Doug has a problem. It usually comes out when we get closer to summertime when the NBA draft is just around the corner. He almost cares about the NBA draft. In fact, I would say he cares more about the NBA draft than the NBA playoffs because it means it means mock drafts up and mention on the show. We have another one, Doug. What kind of mock draft do you have for us today?
1: Well, I'm going back to the well here. This is one of my favorite sites right now, tankathon.com. Yes, you can sim the lottery until the Hornets get the number one pick, but they also have a big board where they tier out the prospects and they have just their general mock draft. Uh, they think who they think will uh, be selected based on the records, and right now they have the Charlotte Hornets in the eighth slot, selecting Onyeka Okongwu, the freshman out of USC, power forward, center, upgrading that position. Though he's only six nine, but he is two hundred and forty five pounds. I mean, this is a big dude, one of the biggest just girth-wise, one of the biggest dudes in this draft. So Onyeka Okongwu. But I'm looking down at 11 right now at Obi Toppin. This is a guy that David Walker, friend of the show, really loves right now out of Dayton. He's doing fantastic things. And I had a chance to talk to Adam Stanko. He's an NBA draft expert. He's also the co-host of the Rejecting the Screen podcast. I had a chance to talk to him about Obi Toppin and what he could bring to a team. He thinks Obi Toppin could be a possible Number one pick. So if the Hornets got him an eight, whoa,
0: there is a lot of talk about how Toppin is. You know, he plays in an offense, plays a lot of five out, great, great movement without the ball. He catches everything, finishes everything, runs the floor extremely well, and can shoot from the outside. So there's a lot to love about Toppin. Obviously, his explosiveness and people see the highlight plays. Yeah, the highlight plays are the things that I've certainly noticed the most about him. I'm more familiar with the ACC prospects that are entering the NBA draft right now, just because that's what I cover. I have not gotten a chance to dissect all of the other NBA prospects, Doug, but if I'm not mistaken, Obi Toppin, a weakness of his is that he can't shoot, right? So he's got a lot of athleticism. You know, I I heard some of the things that are strengths for Obi, but uh, is shooting a weakness for him?
1: Not, I mean, not necessarily. He's 39% from three this year. He doesn't take a lot of them. Uh, so effective field goal percentage sitting at 67.4% uh, right now. True shooting at 68.4. He gets to the line. Not a terrible shooter at the line, but right now averaging 20 points a game, seven and a half rebounds and two assists. Extremely athletic. I think the shooting will improve. He's, pro- he's the second rated power forward to Yeka Okongwu, but I think he's going to rise as... He's only a freshman. I think once he gets in front of NBA scouts for these one-on-ones, he's going to rise once he's, once people see what this guy can do. So if he's available at eight, I think the Hornets, even though they're stacked right now at the power forward position, I I'm think – I am going
0: to say, man, what does that make I you – I do care. Mean, you take the yeah. best guy
1: well and and, P, and i understand that it's just you
0: you theoretically you want all your first round picks to play together right and so we talk about taking the best guy and it makes sense because you can just trade the piece that maybe somebody else wants that didn't have a chance to get but was really Miles. coveted and, and so yeah So if that's something you would want to do, I understand that. I just wonder, because there's certainly been a type that Mitch Kupchak falls for. It's been the versatility. We see it in the three draft picks that he had in this past draft with McDaniels, Cody Martin, and P.J. Washington. We saw it with the Miles Bridges pick before he selected Avante Graham in the second round. And it seems like Obi Toppin kind of fits that bill. I just want the high ceiling. I want the guy that can come in. Can create his own shot, can be the go-to scorer for a team that can make a deep run. That's the guy that I want. And if Obi I mean, Toppin, Obi, that,
1: Obi's that guy, I think. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think Obi has that kind of, I mean, he he specs out that way. So uh yeah, just look for him to rise, I think. Obi Toppin's gonna, gonna shoot up the draft board. So I'm excited about him.
0: All right, that wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.